What's up? It's Talking Yanks and Sharp Stats with Katie Sharp. We're going to learn. We're all going to learn. We're going to think and we're going to have some fun. Joined, as always, by Jake, my co-host, and Katie Sharp, who is back in America. Back in America. Katie, how you doing? I, I'm doing good. Well, I think I'm doing good. I'm, I'm not really sure where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it's a really long trip. So uh, yeah, like two seven hour flights. When you got back, did you have a, like a, an American meal right away? Uh, n- no, I was just trying to keep my eyes open actually and get my Uber <laughs> home. Um, I didn't even, I couldn't even think about food. I mean, it was just, it was such a long, long trip and I mean, I I didn't even know what day it was when I got back. There was like a 48-hour period where I got about one hour of sleep, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we had multiple screaming babies on the flights. Oh, no. Which which never is is a good thing, especially when you're on a plane for, for seven hours. Yeah, no fun. Well, we got you back now. And yes. uh, watch Yankee games at normal times again. No more 2 a.m. W- start times. Oh, it was. Uh, yes, I'm excited to not be watching the game when the sun is rising. Um, <laughs> yes, it will be nice. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, no, I, I don't have Katie's current sleep deprivation problems. It's just still just been planted in the States, but I'm. I'm doing all right. We're recording before tonight's White Sox game. Um, I, I think the one tidbit I I want to be known, I'll throw because I'll, I'll put my neck on the line and I'll risk it. We we were talking about topics to discuss tonight. I'm hoping for an upcoming KT stats. Hopefully next week we can do Jay Hap. But Katie was like, "Yo, he's starting tonight, and if we if he has a bad start, then we're gonna look bad." And I was like, "That's a really good call, Katie." So I'll just put my neck out there saying I hope. Soon we can do uh, an in-depth dive on Jay Happ and why he's been better lately. Um, and I, I guess that's that's a potential spoiler for another episode or just a reason for people to come at me. Well, I basically you're saying if Happ does good tonight and has his fourth decent good start in a row, we will be doing we will be figuring out why next week. Yes. All right. It's a little little fake teaser potentially. Little fake teaser. We do have. Did how we, are you did, doing? Oh wait, do we did we just jinx Jay? Ha- did we just jinx Hap? I mean, I do you guys believe the, in jinxes? Do we believe in jinxes? You're the queen of jinx Twitter. I am. I am the. I'm, I am also the queen of uh, clickbait Yankees Twitter. Apparently, oh, uh, according no. according to some uh, some shenanigans that happened last night. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Yes. I. The co- only question I have is that uh, can it be clickbait if you don't get paid? <laughs> It's a good I, question. Clickbait's yeah, kind of become a, a new a new phrase. People have their own interpretations of it because you don't click on tweets. Clickbait is a term for websites that get paid per click, so they right. bait people into clicking. Twitter, there's no clicking involved nor paid involved. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, kind of like a just a not a, a simple misunderstanding of what clickbait is. Yeah, so that was fun. That was fun. That was a, my first night back. You know, that was a, a little fun engagement with Yankees Twitter on an off night. 
Yankees yes. Twitter's been brutal since they uh, haven't been winning 10 of 12 games lately. But but we, we still have a lot of good stuff to talk about. I think our first topic is one that I'm interested in, and it's the infield defense this year versus last year because mm-hmm. uh, I think you have information for us, Katie, on its improvement, which does meet the eye test, but I think a lot of people would still say that our infield defense it is not a plus. Has it been a, a plus, or what do you got for us on just the whole scope of the defense this year compared to last year, however we want to frame it? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely incredibly improved from last year. I think that is the biggest takeaway that you can have from this from uh from what I'm about to say. It's not an elite infield defense per se. It's not, you know, like top 5 or whatever. It's kind of I would say it's probably borderline top 10, maybe a, a little bit less, but definitely above average, which is something you never would have been able to say last year. Um and I think that that you know that's what I've really seen, and obviously you see it with the you see it with your eye test, and the the metrics actually um, agree with that. And yet you do have to kind of there is one little caveat there in that um, because of the way that the Yankees use their positioning and their shifts, a lot of the some of the you know the traditional advanced metrics like the defensive runs saved don't actually give them as much credit as they should be because that doesn't really take into positioning um, a lot of what, that's kind of what you have to learn is that, you know, defensive run save, just the straight defensive run save that you see for like a Geo or Shella or you see for a Glaber Torres, that doesn't take into where the actual fielder was positioned at the start of the play. So okay. it sort so of like underestimates range. them. Yeah. Um, it okay. does, I mean, it does look at range. Um, but it compares it to it. It uses like a standard positioning instead of specific positioning. Um, so what I wanted to do when I looked at this, when I did this analysis, was just basically look at what's called efficient batted ball efficiency, and that's how many of the batted balls against the Yankees in the infield are converted into outs. And essentially, that's the name of the game for infield defense is converting those batted balls into outs, right? Um, yeah. And so you can do that easily. You can do that on StatCast. So what I did is I just looked at all the ground balls um, that are hit against the Yankees this year and how many of those, and looked at their batting average on those ground balls, and that's essentially how many of them are converted into outs. So I'm just going to throw out some numbers, put some numbers out there for you. Just bear with me here. Uh, so this year... Uh, they have a 233 batting average on ground balls, which is 12th in the league. Um, and uh, last year, they had a 260 batting average on ground balls, which was 26th in the league. So high-level numbers, and that is pretty much the biggest takeaway that you have from the infield defense right there. 233 versus 260, which is enormous. It's 12th versus 26th. And the league average is 239. So they were way below the league average last year. Um, yeah, 20, being 26th is bad. Yeah, there are 30 teams. Um, <laughs> so you don't want to be in that range right there. 
And another thing that I did was, you know, a lot, you know, one of the things that's infected here is, you know, how good are your, not every ground ball is the same, right? You know, some balls are, ground balls are hit hard, some are hit weird angles, some are hit with, you know, almost like a line drive type of thing. Um, so what you can do with StatCast is you can look at what we know is the expected batting average on those balls, right? And that's based on the launch angle and the, uh, the exit velocity. We've talked about this before. Um, so this year, their batting average, uh, their actual batting average is about 12 points lower than what the expected batting average is. So that is really good. I mean, that's showing that they're doing a better job on those ground balls than what, uh, what they should be. So if, if they're supposed to be have a batting average of, I, I couldn't remember, it's about, you know, so 12 would be about 245. The Yankees are actually allowing only a batting average of 233 on ground balls this year. Um, so that 12-point difference, that's a negative 12-point difference. And last year, predictably, they had a plus 12, plus uh, point 12 difference. So their batting average, their actual batting average was higher than what the expected one would be for last year. So that's another sign that they have a really improved infield defense um, and just in terms of the ability of them to convert those ground balls into outs. How and much of I, that... I, I... Go ahead, Jake. No, you're yeah. good. Um, I, I mean, uh, the it it seems like the main points on this would be obvious, right? I mean... Miguel Andujar out for the season. Uh, we we mm-hmm. obviously saw his struggles in the field last year. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, the addition of him, a three-time Gold Glove winner who has been doing it at second, I mean third, even first base in parts. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's funny, like, Voight's been solid. We, we don't have complaints. I, I don't think he's been special to any degrees, but he's he hasn't been a problem. Um I, I don't know. I mean, are, are the obvious reasons the reasons? And I guess my follow-up to that would be, should we expect a tick better? Because I know Glaber's solid, and he he might even be able to make the spectacular play a little better than Didi. But when Didi's right, he's a lot more sound and a better overall shortstop. So I, I don't know how much would be opinion-based from you and how much would be stat-based on that from you. Well, there is one thing I do want to point out, and you make a good point there in terms of looking at the differences from last year. And uh, one thing I did look up, because I was just really curious, um, is that uh, I broke it down by, you can break it down also on StatCast, I mean, which is an amazing tool. If anybody is not familiar with the website, um, I highly suggest that you go to get to it. Just Google StatCast um, Baseball Savant, and, and you'll find it. Um, so I broke it down by, by balls hit to the left side of the infield and, and balls hit to the right side of the infield. And this is perhaps, you know, the biggest difference is that the left side of the infield this year, allowing a batting average of 239, uh, which is eighth in the league. Last year, it allowed a batting average of 289, which is uh, 25th in the league. So is, so that, is that a 50 it, points difference in batting average on ground balls to the left side? Is that what you just said? Uh, um, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, Miguel Andujar, we love you. We miss you this year. But um, that's, I mean, that, I mean, that is pretty much what Gio Arshela has done. And you got to give credit to Glaber as well. 
um, in terms of his ability to uh, to make it happen at shortstop. That's pretty pretty jarring numbers there. Yeah, we had yeah. so yeah. I mean, last year I didn't know that stat. We had the twenty fifth wor- worst batting average against on ground balls hit to the left side of the infield. And that's not Didi being bad because Didi's pretty good. Right. And we also had like the league least double plays turns that started at third base. I don't, I don't know. Is that easy to find how the double plays that Gio has started? And and I think he's already got more than anywhere, but wow. So the infield defense has been a lot better. Has the right side of the infield defense improved a lot? Was that a, issue last year with flavor no actually they last year they were actually pretty good they were actually uh above league average um on ground balls hit to the right side last year they were they allowed a 223 batting average which was 12th this year is actually slipped a little um which is surprising given that LeMahieu has spent most of you know a lot of time there um but uh, I think I think that we, you know, as much as we like Voight, um, I think that he has hurt them a little bit in that area, and I think it also has to do a little bit with um, with the pitchers as well, um, in terms of because a lot of times you get bunts, you get you know you get ground balls to the right side that are not actually fielded by um, you know a uh, a first baseman or a second baseman, but fielded by the pitcher. I think that happens tends to happen a little bit more on that side than it does on the left side. Um, so they're actually allowing a, a higher batting average on, on the right side on ground balls, um, 237. Um, so what I can predict and what you were mentioning before, Jake, was, you know, with Glaber moving back to the right side, uh, with Didi hopping in there at shortstop, and then DJ uh, going probably playing a little bit more third base and and Geo still at third base. I think we can actually see that number improve um, on the right side and the left side. I think it will will remain stellar. Um, okay. You know, once DD obviously uh, works out some of those you know some of the rust that we saw in the first couple games. Obviously, cool. has the ground ball the number or percentage of ground balls increased with you know. Britain getting regular work now. Um, CC and Tanaka ground. CC and Tanaka ground ball pitchers, but they were here last year. I think Paxton. I don't think he's a ground ball pitcher, is he? Or is he? Who uh, Paxton? Haps a fly ball pitcher. No, no, no. Pa- Paxton is a fly ball pitcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Sonny Gray was just a bad pitcher last year. I'm trying to think if he, it he would. Yeah, so this year, this year they're at about forty three percent, and let's see where they were last year, which is above. It's roughly league average. They're at they were at a lot this year, um, and last year it's about the same. So okay. it really hasn't been any increase in terms well, of the uh, the number of ground balls. Yeah, so that works better for our our comparison from last year to this year, and how much better the left side of the infield. 50-point swing yeah. in batting average. And, uh, yeah, and one other thing that I did want to point out, um, which I mentioned a little bit, and I kind of touched on it earlier in the, when I was introducing this, is that the Yankees have actually been one of the best position infields in the entire league this year. Um, and that is, I think, 
probably the reason why they have been so good. Uh, because as I mentioned before, their run save number is not good. I mean, it's not it's not anything spectacular. But when you look at the efficiency numbers that I mentioned, the batted ball efficiency numbers, um, they are definitely above average. Um, so there was a, a really good article that was put out on uh, the Sports Info Solutions blog, um, which is uh, a company that gives uh, defensive statistics and defensive data um, to fan graphs. So there, it's a it's a great company. They track every single they track every single game. They track every single batted ball, uh, and uh, they um, you know they they present a lot of different metrics. So one of the uh, one of the studies that they recently did was kind of looking at and I want to pull this up was looking at how teams position their infielders in the best way to field the ground balls. Um, so this analyst, his name is Andrew Kine, what he did is he looked at pretty much all the ground balls that were hit. That He excluded third base and first base because the positioning doesn't really change that much, um, excluding shifts, obviously. But with first baseman and, uh, and third baseman, they're kind of pretty much in the same place. Um, so he kind of focused on sort of that middle sliver. Uh, between you know the far reaches of shortstop and second base, um, and he looked at the uh, what they can do is they can look at the angle um, that the ball is hit and the angle where the fielders are standing and compare them. You know which fielders are closest to the bat to the ball when it's hit. Um, and what he found, this Andrew Kine did a terrific job here. What he found is that the Yankees. On these ground ball plays, the shortstop third base or second baseman is within three degrees of the ball 43% of the time, and that was the second highest rate in uh, the majors this year. This was done about a week ago. So the Rays were up top, the, right? Uh, the Giants were top. The Yankees were tied with the Rays. Oh, interesting. So basically what it's saying is that 43% of the time, the their fielder, the Yankees fielders, are within three degrees of the ball, and when you're within three degrees of the ball, you're going to get an out about eighty five percent of the time, which is an incredibly very is a very good rate. You know that's obviously um, ideal. Uh, so I think that that is definitely that is, is absolutely a credit to the analytics staff, and you know you see it. Um, you know I think you've seen people like look at their hats. You've seen people kind of look at their wrists. Uh, I think that that's where the Yankees put their a lot of their positioning data there um, so that they're able to have it. And they switch, you know, from batter to batter. Uh, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, and I yeah, think that's, that's a really a testament. That's pretty that, – I wonder – I don't know if this is easy to pull up. I always make more work for you. But is it this a vast improvement from last year? Because last year they did not have the things in their hats as readily available. I mean – and we all remember back in the day, was it um, Zimmer, Don Zimmer, who told Paul O'Neill, like, oh, Lou Pinella, like, or no, Paul O'Neill on that, that stretching catch in the playoffs where he runs up against the wall and bangs the wall. Someone had just shifted O'Neill. So back in the day, it was like just hand motions, like we were like, you know, doing hand signals. Now they look in their hats. They have heat maps. They have spots for every hitter. It and was I, it was little league, yeah. it was little league rules back in the day. It was yeah. oh he just he just pulled a foul ball. I'm gonna move towards the line like that's what it used to be. <laughs> and now it's the now it's this whole different world. 
Yeah, so yeah. you make it, yeah, absolutely, you you are spot on there, um, Jake and Jimmy. Last year, so I said this year the Yankees were 43%, right, within uh, three degrees of the ball, um, and uh, that was second in the league. Last year, 36%, 29th in the league. What? So, hmm. yes, yes, there you go, analytics. Wh- Wait, they were Sorry, second? Sorry, nerds. <laughs> they were the <laughs> They were the second worst team at yeah. defensive positioning last season. Yep. Yep. What? I didn't yes, I wouldn't sir. have guessed that. That's a that's a crazy change. Yeah. So like that's the tweet right there. Last year the Yankees were 29th out of 30 at defensive positioning. This year they're they are currently second. Yes. Why? Wow. So, uh, I I think I think the question that's been going through my head here, and I, obviously, you know, there's either kudos to someone in the organization or or whatever. Um, how how much of this is also luck, though? I mean, is is there are are we a week are we a week of ground balls being hit in the hole away from the Yankees being like a just a top ten team? Or I I don't know. I guess this is just it somewhat of an introduction to me, so I, I don't know how much that would vary. I thought you were going to ask if there was magnets involved. Well, also interested I, in that. Okay. What type of illegal stuff is going on? I cannot yeah. say what type of illegal magnets are being used. Okay. Um, or you know, what did the Mets do? They did something. Didn't the Mets do some weird thing, too? Anyways, um, got to make fun of the Mets at least once on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't. Uh, you know, that's a good question, uh, Jake. I don't really know how much of this is luck, but I think it is not a lot of luck. I think that it is a testament to the to the analytics staff and, and their ability to study the trends of these teams. Um, because, I mean, we've been going, it's, it's, it's a lot of plays. You know, it's not just a small sample, you know, for sure. It's a lot of plays. And the fact that they've been able to do this at 43%, um, rate. And if you look at if it, you know, one of the other things that you can compare it to is if they had just used sort of a traditional um, alignment on all of these plays, they would have only been close, you know, three degrees within three degrees of the ball's path for 33%. So 33% of the time. So that 43 versus 33%, that's a big difference. You know, that's 10% of plays, you know, or 10, or 10 percentage points of plays, excuse me. Um, so I'm, I'm of the, I, I mean, I think that they've actually, it's, it's not a lot of luck. I think that this is, this is real. Um, and this is, uh, you know, this is taking the data and, and implementing it and, and putting it, putting it into action. Yeah. So shut up, Jake. Yeah. And I, okay. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, sir. And ma'am. Uh, but last, last Jake statement I want to get out there just, Going back to again, what I what I'm probably going to tweet out tomorrow morning and uh, steal from you, Katie. Um, we we mentioned the hold 50 up. Let me bring up my point. Twitter. We, we no, you can't because the people need to tune into the show tomorrow, Jim. You need it needs to be posted tomorrow. Okay. Um, I'll do it Mad Gab style. The fifty points in batting average difference between ground balls to the left side of the infield uh, last year compared to this year is essentially the difference between Brett Gardner's bad av- batting average and Glaber Torres's batting average. Yeah. Um so I, well, I think no, that 
that's that's a that's a good way for the people if you're listening to this on your commuter or whatever picture <laughs> picture the difference between those two guys in the batter's box and what you feel and that's what the left side of the infield has done improvement wise nice yeah thanks nice i'm a basic yes, terms sir. guy you know that got yep. it got to do that that's that's perfect that's a perfect analogy thanks Katie. let's switch gears to uh, an offensive conversation We've got our guy Clint Frazier going off once again. He went off. He got hurt sliding in a second. Took him 10 days to get back into the groove of things. And now some of his numbers are absolutely gaudy with the bat. I think the two outs, runners in scoring position number is like godly. Uh, but I'm not positive. Katie, what do you have? What's going on with Clint's bat these days? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we've talked so much about Clint's defense that I think it's time to appreciate what he has done with his bat and specifically with his approach at the plate uh, this year. And I'm just going to compare it to 2017 um, because I'm just going to throw out last year as sort of a lost year. I mean, he really he came back for a handful of games, but uh, nothing really meaningful. So everything that I say here is basically – going to be comparing this year to 2017. Um, and everything that I have seen is basically exactly what you want to see in a developing young player, which is what he is. I mean, he's, he's 24 years old and he has had, you know, he's had 200 and what has he had about 300, a little over 300 uh, plate appearances in his career. So he's, he's definitely still developing. He's definitely still young. But all the signs are, are, are pointing up. Um, so just on a high-level note here, uh, just to look at what his bat has done. And there's a, stat there, there's a stat out there called Weighted Runs Created Plus, which is what I really like to use. Um, and it is a, basically a catch-all offensive stat, and it compares, compares him to the league average. And it's, it's park-adjusted and, and everything like that, so it's pretty cool. And 100 is considered league average. Below 100 is worse than league average. And above is obviously above a league average. So in 2017, as much as we sort of, you know, we thought Clint had a pretty good offensive season, you know, he hit a couple important home runs for us and whatever. His bat was 18% worse than league average. It was an 82 weighted runs created plus. Um, so it was not very good. This year, though, um, predictably, it's 120 weighted runs created plus. So he's 20% better than league average, which is actually really good for a 24-year-old. Um, it's the same as Glaber Torres. So he's basically giving the Yankees the same offensive production as, as Glaber Torres this year, which I think is an incredible testament to uh, the improvements that he has made since his rookie year. Uh, and specifically, I just want to mention, I want to kind of get into how he's doing this. And a lot of people are all into the uh, the launch angle revolution and, and the exit velocities. But it's not that. It's not a launch angle or an exit velocity thing. Both of those numbers are almost exactly the same as they were uh, in 2017, um, which are about league average. He's nothing elite. He's not anything special in terms of his exit velocity and his launch angle um, or his hard hit rate. What he has done is he's basically... Uh, refined his approach and his plate discipline at the plate where it is now decidedly above average where he was way below average uh in 2017 
And with this, I'm talking about, you know, kind of at a, at a high level, at a traditional stance, you kind of, you first you look at the strikeouts and the walks, right? So he's had some modest improvements in his strikeout rate. It's declined a couple points, and his walk rate has, uh, has improved by a couple, a couple percentage points. Um, but what I really lo- wanted to look at was his ability to kind of discern, look at, was his ability to swing at good pitches and not swing at bad pitches, right? And that's what we I think we've really seen with the eye test with 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 Clint is his ability to to not chase pitches, right? We've seen his patience, we've seen his ability, we've seen him kind of just spit on those breaking pitches off the plate and hunt for those fastballs in the middle of the plate. And um, I just want to throw out some numbers which are incredibly striking for me. Um, and uh, I used Statcast again to get this 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 data. And um, what I did is I looked at pitches that were in what Statcast is de- defines as the chase zone. So these are pitches that are decide they're definitely outside of the strike zone, the defined strike zone, but not so far out that they're like at his ankles or or at his head or at his neck. So it's in that kind of that zone of pitches where. You know, you, if he if it's a good pitch, you know, an undisciplined uh, hitter might swing at them, um, but uh, but a good but a good disciplined hitter will kind of lay off those. So if you can kind of imagine that ring that is outside of the strike zone, but not so out no not so out far the strike zone that it's you know just an, an automatic take or an automatic ball. Um, and so last year, I'm just gonna. Once again, just going to throw out some numbers here. Last year, his he had a chase percentage in that zone of about 22%. This year, 13%. So that's nearly a 10 percentage point de- decrease. Um, and he's gone from just about league average there to way below league average. So that's, I mean, that is that is number one. That is numero uno, numero uno on him developing as a maturing as a uh, as a player. And then what I did is I wanted to look at what he's done on in that you know in that chase rate with runners on base, runners in scoring position, and with two strikes because I think that those are critical those are critical plate appearances, right? Those are kind of when you want to be at your best in terms of being the most disciplined um, most disciplined hitter. And this is where this is where it really strikes. This is where it really gets good. So with runners on base last year, twenty five percent chase percentage. This year, 10%. With runners in scoring position, last year, 32%. This year, 13%. So we're getting, I mean, these are just, and uh, these are just incredible numbers. League average there is about 20, league average there is about 25% for both of those numbers. So he is decidedly above league average. And and this last one with two strikes is, is, going to be the most shocking here for you 25 percent chase percentage last year um and i'm you know i looked at that chase just that chase region um 25 percent with two strikes last year five percent this year and that 5.1 percent rate this year is uh is the best in the majors of any player basically who has taken it at bat this year the best of any player Best wow. of any player with at least at least ten plate appearances, which is a very you know a very small That's a small amount, small yeah. thing. Yeah, so, I mean he has about fifty of those, 
um, I think, or something like that, or, you know, a little bit more than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so 5%, the best in the majors, league average, 36%. That is crazy. It's really good. So, and that is actually, that is kind of the biggest indication for me that this guy, he knows what he's doing there. And he is not being, he's not afraid, you know, he's not, you know, scared at the plate. He's not getting into any, you know, pressure situations. He's, he's really coming through. Um, and so I think that that's what you see when, when you have, when you look at his ridiculous runners and scoring position numbers. And I'm just going to, these are what they are. It's a 422 on base percentage and an 865 slugging with runners in scoring position. Which essentially what he's doing is he's just spitting on those bad pitches and he is waiting until he gets a good pitch in the zone, in his happy zone, and he is just hammering it. Um, and, you know, we that's what you got to love about uh, what Clint Frazier has been doing at the plate this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at his splits because uh, one of the first sharp stats I think we did, we talked about Glaber Torres and how he was split-proof. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at that with Clint because he's well. Now this is going to come off like I'm being mean. I wasn't. I was just trying to poke around, but I was surprised he's much. He's been much better on the road, and he's been much better in left field, which I think goes back to what Boone says and Clint says about himself is confidence based. I think he feels much more like he's himself on the road and then in left field. His numbers home and away are. are more jarring than I thought they were going to be. It's like 600 OPS to 900 OPS. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're seeing here with those with those chase with those chase percentage numbers and those two strikes and runners in scoring position numbers, that is a lot of confidence. Once he if he knows that he can, you know, if he can get into into good counts in those situations, um, that is huge for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And that's that's another thing that he's been doing a lot better at this year is that he is getting ahead in the count more this year and getting behind less. So he's yeah. increased his increased both you know increased the percentage of times that he's getting ahead in the count and increased the percentage of and decreased the percentage of plate appearances where he is behind in the count. And that is all about improving his confidence. Um, and we've yeah. seen how much of a how much of a confidence guy that Clint Frazier is this year. Yeah. Another thing I, I, I'll go ahead, Jake. Yeah. I was, I was just almost <laughs> protecting yourself, Jim, uh, from the, the Clint home road thing. I mean, you know, it, it is still somewhat of a small sample size. We saw, we saw Giancarlo Stan, we saw Aaron judge his year with oh, a lot of um, players. He had, do it. Yeah. Road and home splits can come and go. So I, I think it is interesting, um, with, with, with where they're at, but you know, those, those can also flip on a, on a season's notice or no notice at all. Um, and I, I think the other thing, uh, with Clint and you know, we, we have a lot of jokes about it, but, uh, he has been the embodiment in the stats that Katie just put out there, just showed it, but he is the embodiment of Aaron Boone's go-to phrase, control the zone. And it, and it shows. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly true. I mean, he is con- he is controlling the zone, and he's controlling the zone in what is arguably some of the toughest situations as well. Um, and especially when you look at the two strike one, that is a 
that is a situation where the pitcher is in control, essentially. And what Clint has done is he's, he's say, no, no, I am in control um, in those situations. And another point that I want to that I want to make in, in terms of him, you know, just taking another huge developmental step in terms of in, in his ability as a hitter is what he has done against breaking in off speed pitches, um, because that is also it's incredible. It's pretty much the same dramatic shift that we've seen. Um, his ability to attack that breaking stuff um, and the change ups more effectively. Um, has been, I think, one of one of the best uh, things that we've seen again with him this year. So I'm just gonna put out another, some more numbers here, you, here for you. That chase percentage that I cited before, looking at the percentage of pitches that he's swung at in that chase region, declined. Uh, and this is against what I'm defining as just anything that's not a fastball, um, because it's it's too small. I would, you know, you can kind of break it up you know, with just looking at breaking pitches and just looking at off speed. But, you know, it's really small samples. So I'm just going to kind of lump those two together and say non-fastballs versus fastballs. You know, the point is the same. You know, you got, those are, those are difficult to hit. People, you know, all hitters are worse, you know, well, essentially they should be worse against breaking in off speed pitches. So his chase percentage has declined from 35% to 18% against those breaking and off-speed pitches. So that's 2017 uh, compared to this year. Um, His whiff percentage on those pitches declined from 28% to 16%. His slugging percentage has increased 100 points. So it's gone from 456 to 547. He's slugging 547 on breaking and off-speed pitches, where the league average is 370. Um, <laughs> that's so, that's yeah, almost so, so big that it seems like I don't know. Not real, but yeah. it's real. Wow. And I think that's what we said. What you said before is his ability to to kind of you know discern what's a good pitch and what's not a good pitch. Um, he's getting in his happy zone all the time, uh, yeah. and I think and he's got his confidence there. The other cool thing that I just want to remind people that you said on a much preview, preview, previous episode of Sharp Sats was that Clint Frazier's swing is so quick and so tight that he swings and misses and misses the ball completely. He rarely fouls off pitches for like uh, weak contact, like he or or doesn't square it up. If like if he swings and misses at a slider, he's going to completely miss it, but that actually helps him. Because he doesn't hit a lot of weak contact. I wonder, I mean, I, yeah. from, from the eye test, that's still true. I notice it all the time. Yeah, I think I, 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 uh, I, think I cited a, a stat um, earlier this year uh, on one of these shows called the sweet spot percentage, which, yep. is on, which you can find on StatCast. And that's looking at the percentage of batted balls that um, a player hits that are within sort of the, what's the ideal launch angle, and that's between 8 and 32 degrees. So how many of his batted balls are between those, um, you know, in that range, in that launch angle range? And he is at about 40% this year, which is a very good mark. It's not the top mark. The top marks are about 55, 50 or 55%. But he's top 25, top 30 in the majors in that statistic. Um, And that just shows, you know, his ability to really impact the ball 
and like we've seen with those with those wrists to get really solid contact on the ball uh, when he does hit it. Yeah. Hate, hate, hate to quote one of one of the more famous athletes of all times, but it's got to be the shoes, Katie. Oh, it's <laughs> it's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. Those Air um, Jordans. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, uh, just you know, Katie has her sharp stats. We're gonna have to figure out a term for my wonky bad brain stats. Maybe not so sharp stats with Jake. Um, Clint Frazier's season has been broken up in three sections. He starts the year. He's swinging the bat really well. He goes on the IL, like Jimmy mentioned. He slumps coming out of that. Um, he breaks out against Baltimore, and he's been great since. And I, I, I broke up those games, and people understand that when I'm giving you a caveat of stats, I, I fully understand. That's, that's why it's a caveat. It's, it's not that we can forget that. But when you take out Clint Frazier's uh, 11 games, after, 10 starts, 11 games after coming off the IL, He's hit 313 with a 349 OBP with all of his home runs. And that's basically those two good stretches have been 37 games. And that one bad stretch has been 11 games. So I, I think my mini what to watch for stealing it from our pregame show, which if you've been checking out, we thank you. Um, the what to watch for is, you know, as we watch the development of Clint Frazier, the stats I just laid out to you besides the IL stint, have been all-star level. Level. I mean, 313, 349 with an OPS that's in the high nines, that's, a, that's an all-star type hitter. I think what we're, the what to watch for going forward is, you know, was it because of the IL or maybe is Clint Frazier going to be a streaky player? Um, I think what I've loved is everything we just talked about. He looks so in control at the plate that, I mean, every player goes through slumps, but I, I don't think he's going to be a streaky player because it really does look like he's in control up there. But I mean, I, I think we're a couple weeks, a month or so away. If he keeps up what he's been doing the past couple weeks now, I mean, we're looking at a bona fide like 300 type 30 home run player potentially. Jake, are you just Jakey Jinxes today? I'm uh, well, we're with the queen of Jinxes, so. Yes. I think that we I'm call your, love. we call Jake stat the butter knife stat. Butter knife. A butter knife, Jake. <laughs> Cut it up a little bit. All right. Oh, all right. For our third topic on today's Sharp Sats episode, we're actually going to take a call. You have a voicemail. We had a couple voicemails. Wow. Uh, we may use some of the people that called in and left voicemails for Sharp Sats on a future episode, but we thought this one was the best one. Uh, or that we wanted to talk about today, and here it is. This is a voicemail for Katie Sharp and the, the stat episodes. I just want to know um, about Exit Velo and uh, what Yankees are doing well at that that we don't know. I mean, obviously, Judge and Stanton, when they're healthy, Luke Voigt, but... Where's some exit velo numbers that are showing up, but we don't know about it? Your thoughts. Thank you. Go Yanks. All right. Do we have any sneaky exit velocity players on the team? Like I know Kendrys Morales is a sneaky exit velocity guy, 
The problem is he hits the ball on the ground and he's the slowest guy in the world. So it's like, don't hit him on the ground. We want Tyler Wade to hit the balls on the ground because he's fast. But is there anyone else, Katie? Yeah. Um, so exit velocity, you guys know what that is. It's how fast does the bat come uh, does the ball come off of the bat? Um, so I think that for me, the biggest surprise, um, other than, you know, the big, the big dudes that we know about is, uh, our best friend, DJ LeMayhew. He is second on the team in a, in average exit velocity just behind Gary Sanchez. I mean, I'm excluding, you know, Judge and Stanton who don't have a lot of, uh, plate appearances and, you know, I'm look, just looking at sort of our regular players and, and some of the, uh, the rotational guys. Um, but yes, DJ is second on the team in average exit velocity at 91.3 miles per hour, um, which is well above the league average, which I believe right now is about 88 miles per hour. Um, so, and Gary Sanchez is at 93.2 miles per hour. Uh, so there's our boy DJ hitting the ball hard. Um, and, and just behind DJ is, uh, Gio Urshela, 90.9 miles per hour. Wow. So those two guys who you probably would not think of as having, you know, they're not, I wouldn't say that they have elite exit velocity, um, but decide definitely well above league average, um, exit velocity. And I think that that is, uh, you know, that's, that's something that you, you may not have known. Um, and one other thing I want to point out is that, um, you know, you just, you don't, you, you, a lot of people look at the average exit velocity, but you don't want to just look at that, that, at that, because sometimes that can be skewed. You know, it can be a little bit misleading sometimes if you just look at the average. So what StatCast does is they also have what's called a hard hit rate, which looks at, uh, the percentage of batted balls that are above 95 miles per hour. Um, that's, you know, cause that's considered really good. Um, uh, so DJ also passes that test. He is second on the team in, in, uh, in hard hit rate too. Uh, so he is, uh, I would guess, I would say that he is probably our sneaky, um, exit velo guy. Um, and you're going to say, oh, well, a lot of those are on the, are, are hit on the ground. Um, which is probably a good thing for DJ because he can actually run, and it is true <laughs> because um, if you do at, if you do just look at the average exit velocity um, on fly balls and line drives, then a guys like Luke Voigt and Aaron Hicks do move ahead of him. Um, but in terms of hard hit rate on fly balls and line drives, DJ is second there, uh, right behind Gary Sanchez. So he's ahead of. You know, Aaron Hicks, he's ahead of Glaber, he's ahead of Clint, he's ahead of um, uh, Luke Voigt, um, ahead, of, uh, ahead of all those guys. Um, What's so Clint's I think that, exit uh, velocity? Because he fakes me out all the time. I think he it's, cracks it's, the ball and it's it just dies. Le- it's league average. It's league average. It's about 80, 89 right now. It's 88.9 no. miles per hour, which I, is the I, same I, as it was in 2017. I have a theory on Clint, and I think it's we forget how many guys on the Yankees are big boys, 
Clint's not that big of a dude. So I, yeah. I think that's why we get deceived sometimes. So like sometimes you see the fly ball off his bat and it's 410 into the stands. Sometimes it looks like the same contact and it's like a lazy fly ball. And yeah. I think that's just a little bit of him not being built like Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, Giancarlo, those, the guys that we've gotten used to seeing. Now. Yeah, yeah, no knock well, on him, but I, I, it fakes me out sometimes. Yeah. I think what also you see is, I mean, because Luke Voigt, his average ex- exit velocity is... 89.9 it's it's not great but what you, what that doesn't really take you know that's that's another thing with with average is that you know you can have a guy have an average of 90 and he hits five that are 110 and 10 that are 80 right so you know i think i'd rather have the guy that hits 15 that are 90 but you know, when you have a Luke Voigt, and that may be the case with like Luke Voigt, who you you know that he can hit 110, but you know that he's also can kind of not hit the sweet spot all the time, which well, actually I think Voigt's pretty good at hitting the sweet spot. But, you know, then you have a guy that hits like 10, 80 mile per hour batted balls, and those aren't, those aren't going to do anything. Um, so that's why hard hit rate is kind of a little bit of a better measure. But yeah, um, Voigt, he may not hit it hard all the time, but he hits it far somehow. You don't have to hit it hard to hit it far. And I think that's, you know, he's got those huge muscles. I think that helps him hit it far um, instead of always hitting it hard. <laughs> all right, time for uh, my quiz of the day for you two. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this on Twitter uh, after we wrap up, but I'll, I'll give it to you guys first. Oh, boy. Ro- less than two outs. Runner on third base, Jake. Less than two outs, runner on third base. Gotcha. Which player has the highest success rate and then which player has scored the most runners? Okay. So highest success rate, who scored the most runners? Highest success rate, is there a sample? Question one, is there a sample size on this? If there was a sample size limit, the leader in percentage would not be included. Okay. So it's, I'd go Aaron Hicks. Hicks has had five chances and scored the runner in four of them for an 80% success rate, putting him fourth Ooh. on the Yankees. Third with the sample size caveat. If, if the sample wow. size caveat was five. I'll give it to Katie then. Katie, did you have a guess? Uh, I I haven't looked yet. Actually, I was just about to look, but I did, I haven't looked. Um, well, the obvious answer, you know, would be DJ LeMahieu, but I'm pretty sure it's not the obvious answer if you're if you're quizzing us here. Um, oh wow, this is well. Gonna DJ be tough. DJ is the highest per uh, highest. No, he's not. I'm lying again. DJ's <laughs> second. He has the second Who's highest this per- trivia host. He, DJ has the second highest percentage, which is really the first highest percentage because Tyler Wade has a 100 percent ah. success rate. Is he Tyler, one for one? He's four for four, which I thought was impressive Holy enough for Tyler cow. Wade. Wow! <laughs> but check this out, DJ or bu- Get that bunt ground ball to the to the yeah. other side. DJ or DJ and Gio or Shella uh, are both really good. Seven for eight for DJ. That's really good. And nine for 11 for Gio. Like, they're getting the job yeah. done. 
And then Glaber has scored 11 runs in 17 chances, which is the most. But, man, DJ and Geo, I've been impressed with their two-strike hitting and their situational hitting has been just as good. It's crazy. There's my fun yeah, trivia question. And, and, that, nice. and now for the sharpest stat. Is that what we decided to call this? The steak knife. Yeah. Jake's got the steak knife and the butter knife. I like (laughs) that. The steak knife and the butter knife. Katie, what is the sharpest stat of the day? Um, well, let's do two of them this week. Yeah. Just because um, you know, I just I can't get enough of these stats, you know me. Um, well, it's actually because we had one on Kendris Moore. I had one on Kendry Morales, and um, of course today he decided to uh to hit the Injured list, oh, which actually, you know, this is a good one, too. Um, he becomes the 20th different player to hit the injured list for the Yankees this season, which is uh, the same number that they had last year. Um, and uh, in case you didn't remember, it is June 13th um, as we are taping this, and they have had the same number of players on the injured list this year as they did last year. And there has not been a season with more than 20 different players on the injured list since, uh, I believe it is 2013, when they had uh, 21. So, um, yeah, the Yankees are doing their best to lead the league in every category, uh, including injured list players. I think (laughs) Kendra's said we can DFA you and another team may pick you up. Or you can stay on the team, uh, take 10 days off, and uh, we may need you at the end. Makes too much sense. Yes. I think yeah. I'm, going Illumi- I'm going Illuminati theory. I think, I think Kendry's, Tulo, and Ellsbury have an underground like cribbage league that, they're, that the Yankees hold for them. And I, I think that's like the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> it's just a theory. I I'd love those underground cribbage leagues. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? All right. What is the what is the next uh, sharp stat? All right. Let's move stat. on to uh. Well, let's move on to speaking of clutch players. Our favorite clutch player, Mister DJ LeMayhew. Um DJ. and DJ DJ. Um and we have cited ever. I mean. If you, if, you thought, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I have pretty much one of these auto, auto tweets, which every time he gets a, a hit with the runners in scoring position, I feel obligated to update his numbers. Um, and so currently he is hitting 474. That's his batting average with, with runners in scoring position. So I just felt compelled to kind of look up what the best the best batting average with runners in scoring position is for a single season all time. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> 474, that's pretty good. I'm not saying that he's going to keep this up, but just, you know, just for fun, just for, for, for giggles or shits, shits and giggles or, or whatever you want to say. Um, but uh, Baseball Reference has this data going back uh, completely to 1974, um, before that, it gets it's really it's a little bit sketchy. They don't have complete data. So what I did is I just kind of looked at the best single season batting averages 
uh, with runners in scoring position. Um, I limited it to guys with about 100 plate appearances just so we can weed out some of those small samples. So for a single season, the best batting average uh, um, in this span since 1974 is by George Brett. It was 469 in 1980. So 469, a guy named George Brett in 1980. <laughs> if, if, if you've heard of him, Unknown the second highest. Shitter. Yeah, the second highest is a guy named. Um, let me see if I can uh, say this correctly. Tony Gwynn. <laughs> um, in 1997, and he had, he hit 459 uh, with runners in scoring position. Uh, so um, as we, as we mentioned before, DJ is at 474. So, um, not saying that he's going to keep it up. Not saying he's George Brett. I'm not saying he's Tony Gwynn. <laughs> don't, don't at me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and also, uh, oh, I thought I'd throw out there um, who the Yankees single season uh, record holder is. And that would be our favorite, Paul O'Neill, 1997, 428. So those really are the Paul O'Neill was a Paul O'Neill was a huge um, two out runner in scoring position guy. No, this is just regular runners in scoring position, not two oh, okay, outs. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, just just regular runners in scoring position. I still wanted to guess so, uh, O'Neill as the Yankee leader. Cool. All right. Yeah. So you this heard it going, here first. This is going back to 1974. Yep. DJ LeMahieu is uh, George Brett, Tony Gwynn, and Paul O'Neill combined and better uh, per Katie Sharp. Yes, yes, that's what I said. At yes, her. <laughs> bring me at her. Clickbait me. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> it's fact. It's law, and that's how we're going to end this episode of Sharp Stats. Katie Sharp, thank you very much for joining us. As always, Jake, you were pretty good this episode. I was okay. Uh, Jake but sucks. Butternut. Jake Butternut. sucks. There you go. Katie Jake, 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 Jake sucks. Jake sucks. Play, play the fight song. <laughs> All right. Go Yankees. We will see you uh, for the White Sox series recap. I was going to say preview, but that's not anything we've ever done. See ya. Go Yankees. <laughs>